Sergeant Brian Mason has been a police officer with the City of Columbus Police Department since 2006. Brian has been involved in several critical incidents and now uses those experiences to help other officers. You're listening to First Responders Bridge, the podcast. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining us and coming to talk with us. No problem. Looking forward to it. As we start out, could you just share a little bit about your background and what led you to a career in law enforcement and things like that? Uh, Background, I I grew up in the suburb of Columbus, Grove City. I've got a twin brother, um, just the normal suburban family. Uh, Played sports growing up and and, – was drawn towards uh, law enforcement. I actually got involved in a Columbus police explorers program and that kind of ignited the flame and never went out. Now, what types of assignments have you worked while you've been with the, uh, the division? So, uh, the primary, uh, primary job that I worked was patrol. Um, I have about, well, 11 years in patrol and then additional time in narcotics undercover, uh, task force uh, type assignments for approximately five years. Brian, we really appreciate you uh, coming on and talking to us and and sharing your experience with our listeners. Um, uh, at our retreats, we, we talk to a lot of people in all uh, aspects of um, first response and different things that they've experienced. And I know you, like so many of us, have uh, uh, experienced and been involved in critical incidents throughout your career and throughout the years. Um, you share with us and with our listeners, um, now as you look back, how do you think that has impacted you, uh, family, and what things did you learn to address some of that stress? Yeah, uh, multiple critical incidents, um, like like anyone that's been in this career, any, any length of time, you're, you're going to come across a multitude of incidents. Um, the biggest thing as far as mental health and, and the critical, critical incidents, at least for me, uh, the, the anxiety, um, that comes with those, with those incidents and, and not just those incidents, but repeated incidents. Um, the mental health part of that is, I mean, anxiety, can affect everyone. And, and I would imagine that the large portion of the population experiences anxiety. Uh, as far as myself, the, uh, as far as dealing with it and managing it is, is I mean, it's a daily thing. Um, I went through therapy, um, and talked with peer, peer assistance team members, officer support team members, uh, and at least the thing that helped me the most was, was therapy. Um, I, I did medication it, 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 at least for me, it didn't seem like it did much, uh, the therapy and, and talking and discussing the incidents and more so discussing what I'm feeling with those incidents, uh, and reactions to the anxiety is, is what seemed to help me the most. Brian, I, I I'm impressed by, um, your willingness to share that. Mm. And uh, I know from talking to a lot of officers primarily over the years, um, even the thought 
of talking to a clinician or a therapist, um, it, most officers uh, will say, yeah, that's not something I'm ever going to do. Uh, those of us that have tried to remain uh, healthy from a, a mental standpoint know that that's really important. And I guess my question for you is, how did you reach that point where you said, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm good with talking with a clinician. Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't really remember the exact moment. Uh, early on uh, in my career, um, I had some incidents and, and I can remember, um, you know, now, now I'm talking 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I can remember uh, being involved in an incident and, and going to work the next day and, and your peers and, and co-workers are, are saying you should have did this, you should have done that. And, and just the amount of anxiety that came with that was, uh, it, probably the most traumatic thing, um, that I had to deal with. Um, and I remember talking to another officer, um, that I was very close to and I, I, I respected him. And, uh, I remember him telling me, don't worry about what they, what they say. Um, you're still here. Uh, everything worked out and, and don't worry about them. Uh, I think at that moment, then, then the peer, peer assistance came quite some time after that. Uh, the officer support, their officer support members were at least the ones that I knew and was around and, and really any of them with our department were very well respected individuals and, uh, they made it easy to talk to them and, and not just easy to talk to them, but the, the message was constantly relayed of if you need help, like go get it. Like there's no, there's no shame in it. Um, there's no dishonor in it. Just reach out. There's no reason to suffer when you have plenty of people that will help you. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Brian, um, excuse me. With these events, you know, a lot of times it's going to affect the family inevitably, right? Could you share a little bit about, um, how your family was affected by these critical events and how did you deal with that? Yeah, um, for sure. The family, you know, a lot of the time the focus gets put on, on the individual that is directly involved and, and you have the, uh, the people that are surrounding, uh, the, the officer or person involved in the incident. And, uh, they take, they take a hit, uh, just, just as you do, um, I know my family was, uh, all of them, all, all of the incidents, they were, uh, obviously concerned about my career, um, criminal charges, civil lawsuits, all of that stuff weighed heavy on them. And, uh, at least for my family, it was the communication and, and talking to them and letting them know like, Hey, these are the steps. These are the things that are going to happen and just answering questions. Um, they have a ton of questions and sometimes they don't even know how to ask them. So sparking that conversation of, Hey, and getting in front of it and saying, Hey, this is what's going to happen. This basically, this is the process. Uh, at least for my family relieved some of those fears. Some of them you're not going to take away. Um, but constant communication with the family is, is what helped in my, in my circumstances. Yeah, and I know at least for um, our department, uh, you selflessly 
volunteer your time both as an officer support team member and then as a peer assistance team member. And uh, at least for our listeners on this, can you kind of um, give an idea of the difference between those two teams that we, we have at least? Yeah, so the officer support team members are, are generally officers that have been involved in critical incidents. They they know um, they know what the officer is going to go through, the steps, um, talking to attorneys, who to talk to, um, really based on the critical incident that night, and then following up with that officer and bridging that gap of if they're having problems, like. It, Again, reassure them like, hey, this is um, – I mean, the the one phrase that uh, always sticks in my head is you're having a normal reaction to an situation and and reassuring mm-hmm. them like, hey, everything you're going through is is normal for what you're going through. It's, it's not – it's not off. Um, so that's officer support. Peer assistance, we cover – I mean, really anything, a lot of outside, outside of work um, type stressors, uh, divorces, problems uh, with uh, children, relationships, drinking. I mean, the gambit of, of really everyday life um, piled on top of our already stressful careers. And then the officer supports or uh, officer support members are, um, more geared towards the traumatic incident the day of there with the officer, whereas peer assistance is, is throughout your career and, and therefore you're really anytime. You know, Brian, looking back on a lot of these critical incidents that you were involved in, does that make it easier to connect with different officers, you know, in your role as an officer support team member? It, absolutely. Um, you, you know, they're very traumatic incidents and, and, at least for the ones that I went through, I, I can, I can look at that officer and I can be like, either I've been there and, and, and been through this and, and just be there with them. Or if it's, they're not connecting with me, I, I know other officers that have been through, there's not many incidents that someone on our department hasn't been through mm-hmm. and, and we can get you with them and, and help walk beside you through this. I was uh, talking to a veteran officer earlier today, and he shared with me something I think we all know, and, and that is that you you don't often know um, how the words that you share or say with another officer or somebody in the community impacts that person. Uh, and then there are times throughout our career that maybe some of those people who you may have even forgotten the incident, but they come to you and they let you know, how impactful a conversation was that they had with you. And uh, I'll just share with you, Brian, that um, in recent years, uh, you probably don't know this, but uh, talking to some officers that have experienced things that were critical in their own lives, and that's a wide array of things, right? It might not be something that's critical to you or me, but the person that they reached out to was you. And, um, Many of those officers have shared with me how impactful your guidance and your direction and just your support was to them. And I guess I'm curious, in your mind, do you know when that was that you decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to use some of these um, awful experiences that I've been involved with to help other people? 
I don't, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess just in my mind, I said, um, you know, these are very hard things to deal with. And, um, you know, I, I had senior guys that I looked up to and, and I guess at some point in your career, you realize you're not the rookie and the new guy anymore and, and, and just kind of automatically take that role. Um, I've never really thought about it just other than, I mean, we all want to help people and, and, I guess just that natural, natural feeling of wanting to help. And at least in my eyes, the best way I can help is just be very open with what I went through and, and say, Hey, these are things you might come across. And I, I don't really, I can't really think of any moment where I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm glad you're there because, uh, you certainly help officers that, that need help. So I'm, I, I appreciate it for one. That's, um, I've, I've never, uh, that's the first I've heard of it, which I, I kind of wish they'd come to me and tell me that, Hey, that helped. Um, but that, that is, uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Brian to see now that you're helping other officers, um, I'm sure you see a lot more of the stigma, right. That's out there. And, uh, if so, do you notice that it's getting better or do you notice that it's getting worse? Can you, can you touch on the stigma of first responders and how, how you're impacted by it? Yeah. Uh, this, the stigma is definitely there. Um, I mean, my message has always been, don't like the, the stigma shouldn't be there. Um, mm. it, it's, I feel that it has, uh, gotten a lot better, um, where people are at least the peer peers that are on our department are very open and outspoken about just get help. There there's, there's so many resources out there for help. Uh, it's life is stressful enough. Um, if, if there's help there to get, we need to get it. And as if you didn't have enough stress, um, throughout your career as an officer, uh, you raised your hand and you became a supervisor and, uh, <laughs> So have you seen uh, a difference and what has the, what has the stress difference been between uh, being an officer and moving into a first line supervisor role? Yeah, that was, uh, that's one. Um, I, I mean, I guess the, the, the leadership aspect, I guess being part of peer assistance kind of prepared me for a lot of that and, and already wanting to help officers the stress with the supervisors is really uh, not knowing if, if you're going to be a good supervisor or, or a horrible supervisor. Um, and then just the paperwork and administrative stuff on, on top of, of going out there and trying to make sure that all your, all your, all, all your, all your people come, come home safe at the end of the night is, is probably the biggest uh, stressor. Um at least management wise for me is, is just trying to stay focused and planning and, and staying organized is, is one of my more uh, troublesome things to do is, is just staying organized. So Brian, um, you know, with a lot of the stigma, how can we begin to break down these barriers and encourage more officers to reach out when, when they're feeling stressed out? What, what can be done to begin to break that? Yeah, I think just the the repeated message and just constant communication of hey, there's there's these resources. Mm. Um, you know, we go day to day, and it's just the 
you know, go log in your cruiser, go take runs and at the end of the end of the day, go home. Um, the constant awareness of, Hey, there's these, there's peer assistance. There's officer support teams member or officer support team members. There's employee assistant programs. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of this stuff out there that you can, you can, you can get help. It's, it's a readily available to you. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, and, and I do feel that that is, um, practice well, at least in our department that everyone has access to, to the information and, and not just access to it either by the computer, but there's, there's usually someone on the unit or someone on the shift somewhere that is, uh, is there ready, ready to go and, and ready to help. As a, uh, as a supervisor now, and as a 17 year veteran, if you were speaking to, um, a newer officer that's listening to this, um, what guidance or advice would you give them about uh, mental well-being and stress? Self-awareness is is to me would be the most important message. You know, if if you're having um, if you're having trouble sleeping, if if you're if I mean we all react to things differently. Some one of us can get shot at and, and not lose a minute of sleep uh, where someone else could be on a traffic accident and not be able to sleep for days. Um, that self-awareness of, Hey, this is not normal. I should talk to someone that, and don't ignore it. You, your body knows when something's not going, your mind knows when something's not going right. And that self-awareness to say, I need help mm-hmm. is it, that's probably the most important thing is just be self-aware. Um, Brian, really quickly, I want to touch on self-care and um, one area where I'm very not good is at like monitoring how I feel and processing that. And one area where I've tried to change that is I've started keeping a daily journal. So I'll write down, okay, here's how I'm feeling. Here's, you know, why I feel this way. Um, because a lot of times I'll just overthink things and I won't take time to actually process my, my feelings. And that's helped me to go back through and think, Oh, this is why I'm feeling this. This is why I'm doing this. So that's just one example of something that's really been beneficial for me. So what has been helpful for you as far as self-care practices go, you know, such as like exercise, meditation, what's been, um, beneficial for you? Yeah. Exercise. I, I used to exercise a lot more than I do now, but, um, you know, I, I'm an avid, uh, ride, like I, I cycle and, and, you know, getting out on the bike and, and riding and just, uh, decompressing that way. Um, it, it, and it doesn't have to necessarily be exercise. If you like cutting the grass, that's another thing. It's, it sounds weird, but, um, I like getting on the, on the mower and just cutting grass, being outside and, uh, those are the big things for me. The, the self-care, um, obviously the, if you're doing anything outside your norm and you're eating unhealthy and just, uh, doing something outside the norm of, of what you're used to, uh, be very cognizant of that. And, and again, self-awareness. Uh, eating, eating unhealthily is not outside my norm, but it definitely does explain explain a lot. Um, so Brian, what advice would you, uh, give to somebody who might be struggling from a critical incident or cumulative stress? 
reach out. I mean, there's so many resources. Um, I mean, and I think of, I think of our department, um, but the bridge and, and I mean, there's just so many different resources out there. And, Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't know where to start, just, I mean, everyone's got Google these days. Um, you got to start somewhere. Um, but there's, there's programs everywhere to, to, uh, to get that help. That's right. Especially, especially in Ohio too, right? Ohio is kind of a goldmine when it comes to those resources and, um, just trying to expand those out to the rest of the country. But Ohio has been so blessed in a lot of those areas. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up, Brian. I mean, um, we, uh, fill up way in advance for first responders bridge, uh, retreats, uh, coming up in, in December. Um, we, we are at capacity and, uh, uh, our next retreats after that, if you haven't joined us at one of our retreats uh, and you're listening to this, we invite you to come to Ohio and uh, join other first responders to talk about things that we experience. Um, we really appreciate uh, Brian joining us today and sharing his experiences. As we always do, uh, we have a praise of the day at the end of our interviews. And in, in our praise of the day today, we're going to talk about uh, Fire Chief David Hawks from Butte County, California, who was awarded the Medal of Valor uh, from his heroic actions during devastating campfires uh, in Paradise, California. During an evacuation of a local hospital, an ambulance carrying patients from the hospital caught fire, and Chief David Hawks and his team rescued them from that fire and was able to relocate them to a nearby home while they Uh, and other firefighters used hoses from the property to keep the fire at bay. And they saved the lives of several people, including themselves that day. And uh, just a great example of how our uh, brothers and sisters in in the fire service um, are heroic every every day, like uh, Mm. police officers are, like you are, Brian. and, And we really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you. You guys, you guys be careful. We'll see you guys next time on First Responders Bridge, the podcast.